Hello and welcome to Freelance Party Broadcast, the podcast brought to you by Freelance Corner, the online platform for the UK's freelancers. I'm Faye and this is Jess. Hiya. And each week we quiz an expert with a question sent in by you. This week we are joined by Andy Chamberlain, self-employment tax and policy expert. Andy is going to talk to us about the key dates freelancers should be looking out for next year. Andy, can we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, it's always worrying when you get called an expert. <laughs> like that's the first thing. People are like, okay, this guy's an expert. He's really going to know what he's talking about. I think so you're I, an expert. <laughs> thanks, I think you're Jess. great, Andy. Thanks, 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 guys. That's what I was yeah. looking for. A little bit of reassurance. Just I fishing say, for that one. I would say thanks. self-employment tax expert. Yeah, I mean, I wrote, I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I work for Ipse and I do various bits of policy and public affairs for them. So we talk to the government. We're trying to create basically a better environment and public policy kind of platform for self-employed people in the UK. That's what we've been busy trying to do for the last 20 years, really. And I also tend to talk quite a lot about tax, which makes me really popular at parties. <laughs> See, I often say that you are the world... Well, you say this as well. The world no, I don't leader. say this. Don't, you do. I, I don't say on. this. Um, okay, I say it sometimes. So, <laughs> so Andy is the world-leading expert yeah. in IR35 legislation <laughs> yeah. because he thinks he's probably the person in the UK that talks about it the most and because it's a UK tax legislation there's not going to be someone in I don't know China yeah. that knows more about it than Andy yeah. does so See, now that you're putting this on record I do have to say that there are there are uh, there's a good handful of barristers <laughs> one judge that I'm aware of oh. And lots of solicitors who know quite a lot about this stuff too. Yeah. Although sometimes I meet them and I think they don't really know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I went to this thing with this barrister. I won't say say who it was, but and she gave a very good talk on IR35 and really explained it really well. But it was she, she was reading it off a script. In fact, we all in the audience we all had the script on us. It was at this solicitor's firm that we know really well, and right. they invited me to come and hear her. And I. Th- thought that's a fantastic sort of like 20 minute kind of explanation in quite detail about it and then I asked her some questions afterwards and she just didn't she just had this script basically but you know like when put on the spot and asked some they weren't even that difficult she she didn't really want to answer them so I don't know I found that a bit disappointing but anyway there are some people out there who know a lot about this stuff so going into the new year what's the first big thing freelancers should be worried about uh well all self-employed people in the broadest sense of the word self-employed, most of the time have to do a tax return at the end of January, uh, 31st of January. That's the deadline. That's the deadline for doing online returns. Most people do online returns now. So that's the thing that everyone kind of slightly dreads because there's two reasons why you dread that date if you're self-employed. One is because it's a bit of a hassle and you know that you haven't really kept your records properly, unless you have, which is brilliant, in, that, in which case you're sort of probably smugly looking forward to it because you're all organised <laughs> and stuff. But if you haven't, then you've got to go back and find all those receipts and think, God, oh, where did that money come from? And wasn't there some expense somewhere that I know I can put through and I've lost that bit of record? So you've got to get all that stuff together and um, do your return. So it's a little bit of an administrative task. But if you do keep good records, it's not too difficult. It's actually pretty easy. And for a lot of people, they'll get their accountant to help them with it anyway or slash do it for them. But if you're doing it on your own, you can do it. Even I do one every year because I have some income which isn't from my employment with Ipse. So I have to declare that. And um, it's a bit of a hassle, not too much. And the other reason why you slightly dread it is because you then got to find the money to pay it because the payment deadline is the same time. And you're paying the tax off there for the tax year previously. Right, so this that's is, what's going to work. Is, this, is, this is income that you made between 
the April before that and the one before that. So, for example, this time round is going to be January 2020, right? Am I getting my dates yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. And um, so you're talking about income that you made between April 2018 and April 2019. So it's quite a long time ago you made that income. You know yeah. what I mean? So now you've got to pay the tax on that income now. So hopefully what you'd have done is you'd have saved a bit of money during that time when you were making it so that you have it there to pay your tax bill. Otherwise, you've got to scrabble around and try and get it together, which is you know a bit stressful if you haven't done that. You know, No one really looks forward to making a big tax payment. In January as well, do you get rebates as a freelancer? Yeah, you could get a rebate if you've paid. So let's say you've paid tax on account or you've paid, which is a certain way that you pay tax if you are more established as a sole trader, um, or if you've had some employment income uh, that you've been taxed at source on, and so you may have overpaid because you might have worked sort of half a year and the tax was taken off you in the expectation that you would carry on earning all that money all year. So you might have overpaid tax there. You've made some self-employment income later on. Do your tax return, get a rebate. Clear? Happy? Yeah. It, it, yes, it is possible. <laughs> but generally speaking, if you've made money and you haven't yet paid tax on it, you're probably going to have to pay that tax. Is there like a set amount that you would recommend? I know like tax levels are different, but that you would recommend for freelancers to save up before January so that they can have enough money to pay their tax? Yeah, lots of people say 25% or 30%. Um, 30% is probably, you know, if you did save 30%, and let's say you had income of under 30 grand, I think you'll be fine. Because you've got to bear in mind, you get your personal allowance, which is £12,500. So by the time you've you know totted up your tax bill on that, you should actually have a little bit left over. If you can just save 20%, that's going to go a long way towards helping you out as well. So somewhere in that range is going to be pretty useful for you if you can save it and set it aside. Oh, okay. So we're currently in December 2019. And we've got something quite big happening next week is the general election. Yeah. Um, obviously, there are massive ramifications for politics as a whole of who is elected, but we won't get political today. We just wondered <laughs> in black and white, what's kind of like the what, what will happen in January, maybe with like Brexit deadlines or... Is there anything like that that freelancers should be aware of? Yeah, too? so the so what we were supposed to do is we were supposed to leave the EU on the 31st of October, weren't we? In fact, that yeah. was put back from the 31st of March. So it's the second time it's been extended. Because they couldn't get that through, they extended it till the 31st of Jan. So that's the new kind of deadline for us to leave. If the Conservatives win the general election with a majority, then um, we'll leave on that date, I think. It seems like that. That, that will certainly happen because Boris has got his deal oven ready, as he likes to say. He's got to pop in the microwave and it'll go ping or whatever it is he says. You know, and then <laughs> that's it. We'll just magically leave. If the Tories don't win and Labour win and perhaps they're propped up by the Lib Dems or something in a coalition agreement, then it looks like what will happen is we won't leave then because Labour will get another extension. They're then going to go and negotiate a new deal, they say, and then there's going to be another referendum. That's the sort of Labour plan. So that just puts the whole thing off a bit and ultimately might end in us not leaving at all. So the election is kind of crucial to how that all works with Brexit. Right, so 31st of January is a, a very crucial date for, for all of us, but for freelancers especially, because there's tax. <laughs> yeah, I Brexit. mean, the Brexit thing. <laughs> I mean, look, if, if 
we leave and we go into this new agreement, as far as I can tell, things will be quite smooth-ish for most businesses. Most self-employed people shouldn't notice anything. They're not going to suddenly wake up the following day in February and find that their whole business has been turned upside down. I don't think. I mean, there might be someone out there who's you know, is is reliant on some flow of trade with the EU that is going to be damaged by that. But I think under the terms of the agreement, you should be okay for now. On the tax front, it, that is more of a hard and fast deadline that genuinely will affect you. You know, if you miss it, you're going to start incurring penalties. So that's the one you really want to look out for. The other one will either just happen or it won't. In a, in a, in a way, if you're a self-employed person, you're, you may want it to happen or you may not want it to happen, but it's not going to be something that you have to do something about necessarily. Okay. So moving forward to April, there's going to be considerable changes to IR35 in the private sector. For those who have no idea what IR35 is, like myself, can you please dumb it down a bit, please? <laughs> yeah, sure. So IR35 is it's also known as the off-payroll working rules. So what the government... The thing is with this new wonderful modern world of work that we are all quite enthusiastic about, I am very passionate about it, I think it's a great thing that people are working on their own. But it causes a few headaches for some institutions in the way that we run our country, and tax collection is one of them. So if you imagine, like 20 years ago, you had a company which had a big office space and 100 people walked in and they clocked in at nine and clocked out at five, and the company paid lots of tax on that property, they paid corporation tax, but they also, crucially, collected and paid over to HMRC all the tax from those 100 individuals. And they paid employers, NI, national insurance, on top of whatever they paid them as well, all bundled it up and handed it over to the government, to the revenue, to HMRC or the Inland Revenue, as it might have been 20 years ago. It's about then that they changed their name. And that was nice and easy. But now, if you fast forward to today, that company may not have really much of a property. It might even just be a PO box. They may not even have those 100 employees they will have maybe a handful of employees and they might have lots of individuals working for them on a self-employed basis doing projects here and there. It makes that company more dynamic and more flexible, more efficient. It's good for their shareholders. Um, but it's bad news for the government because now they have to chase those 100 people individually to get their tax off them. And as we just explained, they won't get that tax until the following January after they've made the money. So the government is saying everyone's... What they're doing is lots of people are going off into self-employment and specifically what they're worried about is people who incorporate their own company, make a limited company, and then provide their services through that company. And what they really want them to do is get these people back on the payroll. That's why they're called the off-payroll working rules. Right. So that's IR35 is like a code name. It's shorthand for the off-payroll working rules. And what they've done is they've come up with these really complicated tests which decide who's allowed to be off-payroll and who has to be on-payroll. And this is where it gets controversial because no one really understands those tests. I mean, no, no one does. HMRC don't. They lose cases in the tribunal all the time. So everyone's panicking because the companies, the big company with the factory, from April next year... Unless something happens at the election, and we can talk about that a bit, but the plan is at the moment that that company will have to make an IR35 status decision for each one of those people that we talked about, each one of those 100 people. And if they decide IR35 does apply, they have to be put onto the payroll like they were 20 years ago. But if they say, oh, IR35 doesn't apply, then they don't have to be put onto the payroll. They can just pay them a gross amount, and those individuals then go off and sort out their own 
tax and pay that over, but probably not till the following January. So currently then, before the election, Labour kind of half said that they might scrap IR35 and then Bill Esterson, wasn't it, who said that and then he got yeah. it wrong. Conservatives haven't said anything about scrapping IR35. Yeah, and well, it's then, their policy. Yeah. Yeah, they're the ones who brought, who brought it in in the last government. They're the ones who are pushing it forward. Yeah. We've been pressing them to say this is going to be a disaster, you know, you shouldn't do it uh, because it's going to really disrupt business. The, the problem is, it might be helpful for me to say, that this company now that has to make all these determinations, because no one understands this status stuff, and they don't want to get into trouble with HMRC, they're incentivized to just say, IR35 applies to everybody, because it's a risk for us otherwise, because HMRC will come after us and penalise us and come after us for the tax that we should have deducted and paid over to them, unless we just do it now and say you're IR35 court. So we're not going to take that risk, so everyone's inside IR35. But they're not really. That's not actually the way the rules work. But because they're so difficult to understand, the the fear is that everyone will just be put into it unfairly. Right. And just to be really clear, who does it affect? So because this is a IR35 usually is spoken about with like contractors and consultants, people like that. Yeah. And I think for freelancers, it's not a term that is necessarily as commonplace in conversations about self-employment as it is with contractors. Yeah. Could it be applied, IR35 legislation, to anyone who is self-employed, freelancer? No. Okay. No. So it, it basically applies to um, people who have their own limited company. It can also apply to people who are working through a partnership. Um, but you need to have, because that limited company or that partnership is what's called an intermediary. So the the initial real name of IR35 is the intermediaries legislation. So you've got me, Andy Chamberlain, working via my limited company for Jess PLC. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, because um, Jess PLC, Jess and Faye PLC has um, even better ring to it. <laughs> has a has a contract with Andy Limited. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just doing the work. But it's at your contract is with Andy Limited. So that's yeah. the intermediary. And what HMRC says, if you took away Andy Limited, you'd just have Andy working for Jess and Faye. And I'd just be acting like an employee, really. So therefore, IR35 should apply. That's what IR35 is is trying to do. But sometimes, Andy Limited is actually a proper little business. And, it, and actually, that's a perfectly okay arrangement to have. And the fear is that no one will be able to decipher that. It's very hard to do. So then suddenly, Andy, I'm talking about myself in the third person. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, a bad sign. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bad sign. <laughs> suddenly, Andy is then just like deemed to be an employee and put onto the payroll and paying tax like that. But I'm not actually getting any employee rights. So I'm not getting any holiday pay or anything like that just for tax purposes. So it's a real unfairness in there. And actually, I'm not even an employee anyway. I'm not your employee. I work for Andy Limited. And Andy Limited provides services to you. <laughs> it's really hard to take you seriously. Faith? Now you've got a third person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jess is about to say something. Go on, Jess. <laughs> Faye would like to listen. <laughs> um, we now have some questions sent in by freelancers. First up, and I know, Andy, you're going to love this one. Mm -hmm. We have Charlie, who's from Stratford. Charlie asks, I hear that I shouldn't attend the Christmas party at my client's workplace because I'm a freelancer and there could be ramifications with IR35. How true is that? And are there other ways I can protect myself in an IR35 case? 
Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, this is a classic question. So when I first started looking at all this R35 stuff about 10 years ago, I worked at Ipsay. We were called PCG then. I didn't know anything about it. And someone told me that if you go to the Christmas party, then you're caught by R35. And I was like, right, that's it. That's fine. I've sorted it out now. If you go to the Christmas party, you're caught by R35. <laughs> Is there like a HMRC person at every Christmas party? Yeah, and you walk right, in yeah. the door and they're like, ah. They're, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they just like appear next to you with a clipboard <laughs> saying, yeah. Is that Andy Chamberlain? I see, yeah. Um, you're no, um, From Andy Limited. Yeah, at the, at the Faye and Jess Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to go to that Christmas this is party. It. This, is, this is the Faye and Jess <laughs> yeah. Christmas party. Yeah, welcome, you're here. Yeah. Um, cool, yeah. yeah, no, so it's sort of like a myth of IR35, this one. But there's a real thing behind it. But it's true that people, they used to say it quite a lot, like, don't go to the Christmas party. You know, if you go to the Christmas party, that's it, you're caught by IR35. <laughs> but actually, I've looked at pretty much all of the case law, most of it. I've read lots and lots of judgments and things. And I don't think, as far as I can tell, someone out there might correct me on this, I hope they do, that it's ever come up that someone's gone to the Christmas party and that has been determinative or even a feature of an IR35 status determination at a tribunal. Right? Having said all that, what it points to is something called part and parcel or integration, which is one of the secondary tests of IR35 status, which says, look, are you part and parcel of the client organisation? Have you got your feet properly under the desk? You know, perhaps do you have line management um, responsibilities inside that organisation? If there's a meeting that you're at with an external person, does that external person think that you're just an employee of the client organisation or are they aware that you are in fact an independent contractor who's there under a different kind of banner? Those are the kind of things. And going to the Christmas party or making use of company facilities, perhaps there's a gym at work that's for the staff, for the employees, and if you get access to that, those kind of things just point towards you being a bit more like one of the employees and mm. therefore a little bit more like IR35 might apply. But on its own, going to the Christmas party is no way going to make you IR35 court. It's just one of the, it's like a small factor that could nudge you towards that. Okay. So his question at the end, he said, were there any other ways that he could protect himself from IR35? To say um, Andy PLC, you know, Andy who works for Andy PLC goes into... Andy Limited. Andy it's Limited. Jess and, it's oh, Jess and, yeah. It's sorry, sorry. Jess and right. Andy oh Limited. Yeah. yeah. Andy from Andy Limited. It's getting way too confusing. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Goes into um, a client's office and he's working there for six months and they say, oh, we've got a gym downstairs. You're welcome to use it. Here's a fob for it. And mm. you can go downstairs and use the gym. Should you then actually say, thank you, but no, I'm not an employee. I don't want this employee benefit. Technically, you should, yeah. Does anyone do that, do you think? Yeah, I think that some people do because some people are pretty IR35 savvy who've yeah. been around contracting in, in, around for a while and they do, you know, they do understand these things and they just get a, a sense that that could be just stepping into slightly difficult mm. waters. But in answer to the question around are there other things that you can do, the, the main thing that you want to do is you want to get yourself a good contract in place. And when I say good, we sometimes call it IR35 friendly contract. And there should be strong clauses in there which make it clear that you this is a contract for services. Right, So you are supplying services to the client organisation. They are not getting you, they're getting a company which is going to supply some services. Yeah, And so you want to, one of the things that everyone talks about is substitution. What you will see in these contracts is that you'll have a right to send a substitute in your place. The idea behind this is that, you know, 
we have in our office a water cooler and sometimes people come in and they'll service it, right? And sometimes it's Steve who comes in and fiddles around with it and services it and sometimes it's Bob. And we don't care, do we, if it's Steve or Bob, yeah? We don't, it's not a contract for personal service. We just want that thing to be done, whatever it is that they do with that thing, yeah? And they're happy with it. So their personal service is not required. They can send a substitute. So there's no way that you would apply IR35 to that because there's no way that you would argue that either Steve or Bob is an employee of, of ours because they're coming in and clearly providing providing a service. It's that sort of mindset. So the contract should have a good substitution clause. You also should make it clear in the contract that you have the control of how the work is done and as much as possible, maybe even where it's done and when it's done. You don't really want to see a contract that says you will turn up and work at this desk from nine to five because it begins to make you look like you're an employee. So those are some of the more crucial things that will be examined in an R35 case. Get a good contract, make sure it's R35 friendly. There are services where you can get them reviewed by independent experts and they'll say, yeah, this is a good one. This is R35 friendly. This one, not so much. Change that clause and it will be. Go and do that and you're a bit more protected. Okay, well, that's a really good way to kind of prepare. Maybe don't focus on the Christmas party as much, but make sure you've got those yeah. things in place, yeah. like the contract and that. Okay. And secondly, we also have a question from a lady called Sophie who asked, what penalties are there if I miss a tax deadline? So the tax return penalty is £100, I think, and it does start going up. You want to, you will, you will start incurring the penalties straight away. So the 31st of Jan is a hard and fast one. There's another deadline for paper returns, very few people, I did know the stats on this, but I've sort of, I won't try and pull them up so I'm bound to get them wrong, but less and less people are doing paper returns because the October, so it comes a bit earlier if you do a paper return. It's literally, this is like, you know, the old fashioned days where you would fill it in with a pen on a bit of paper and put it in the post yeah. and give it to HMRC. Um, they've extended the deadline for digital or online returns because they prefer it. I mean, it's it's better all round, really. But obviously, there are still some people out there who just don't use computers so much and don't feel comfortable doing things online, which is fine. But they are going to be somewhat phased. The plan was, by the way, that there's going to be this new thing called Making Tax Digital, which is going to sort of change um, quite a lot the way that we report our tax and the frequency with which we report our tax. They want to move it to a quarterly system. Um now, they've done it for VAT, which was already quarterly anyway, and which the vast majority of people were doing online anyway. So not too much of a stress there. That seems to have actually been, to be fair to HMRC, a pretty smooth transition into making tax digital for VAT, I think. They want to do it for all taxes. And so um, when they do move to that system which you know they were they initially supposed to do this like a couple of years ago but it kept on getting pushed back and now we hear nothing about it at all because of mm. Brexit and other things um, but I think it is coming and when that does happen I think the paper returns will end. Well unfortunately that's all we have time for today. Thanks so much Andy for coming along. I hope our listeners It's a pleasure. I'm a big <laughs> fan of the podcast. I've listened to Are other you? episodes, yeah. Have you? Thanks. I have. Big fan. I was <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit upset that I wasn't invited to the first one, but you know, it's oh, fine that I'm here first now. First the worst, second the best and all that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks so well, I hope our listeners feel more prepared for the new year now. Definitely. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. And remember, you can find out more about our podcast and exciting content on freelancecorner.co.uk. If you enjoyed the podcast, find more videos featuring Andy on the Freelance Corner website. Subscribe, like and share from whichever platform you get your podcast from. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.